Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I'm going to ask if you would this morning, if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. That'll be our text this morning. And I want us to think about the text that we're reading. And as you're turning there, you may wonder, Greg, why the subject? If you have read 2 Peter, first and 2 Peter, written by the same author, maybe, maybe even the spokesman of the apostles, Simon Peter, wrote this text that we'll be reading this morning. But we have to frame it in light of what we've been doing for the last four weeks. How many of you have been here the last four weeks. Let me see your hand. If you're watching online, I don't know. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're watching online, I know many of you have joined us, and you know that during the last four weeks, we've talked about the coming of Christ. Uh, we would call it, and something that we desire to do is to remind you of that season of Advent. Now, don't get carried away in that term. I just want you to know that Advent literally means it's the coming or arrival of someone. And it's what the Gospels do. In every Gospel, uh, they so clearly lay out the coming of the Messiah. But what Pastor Brian did is he hinged from a prophetic book, Isaiah. And he used Isaiah chapter 9 every week to talk about the coming of Christ. It was beautiful. And it is beautiful, and I want to think about it for just a moment, uh, and let's look at the context of how Pastor Brian led us through the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you don't have to turn there. We're only going to be there briefly. I'm just going to read it for you. For a child is born unto us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And for four weeks, we talked about the coming of Christ and each one of those. We talked about how God was Emmanuel, Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? The important part of that is you've got to understand, before we read 2 Peter 3, you've got to understand the name Jesus. Does anyone know specifically what that name means? It literally means Yahweh or the Lord saves. It was a Hebrew form of Joshua. And so his name, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, literally frames that God became flesh. He came to us because we could never get to him. That was the reminder in this season. We also talked about the term of him being wonderful counselor and how you need no appointment for this counselor. You don't have to prearrange time with him. He is available to give counsel. We talked about him being the everlasting eternal father. We talked about how our earthly father, sometimes it allows the view of our heavenly father and that father-son relationship to be skewed. 
but our Father's love is beyond what we've experienced here on earth. And then we talked about last week that Jesus Christ, his coming, he came to be our Prince of Peace. Amen? But here's what I want to talk to you about this morning that I think is so important and many times overlooked. But before I mention it, I want you to know that the Christ in the Bible, his second coming must be connected to his first coming. You can't separate the two. Because if you understand the first and the reason why he came, you'll better understand the second coming of Christ. And so I want to, in the words of Adrian Rogers, remind you this morning that Christmas is not complete without the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christ of Christmas is coming again. And so I want to talk to you about that subject this morning, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hear me, don't, many times when, when you hear the subject, the second coming, people get so caught up on the sequence that they forget the picture of the Savior. But I do want you to know that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the second time is vastly different than that the first time. And the first time, we'll go back for just a moment before we read. The first time he came, you remember where he was at? We remember him as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? We remember Mary and Joseph and shepherds and wise men. Some, we remember that there was no room for him in that first coming. But on the second coming, oh, it's vastly different. And it's so different to me that to be honest, it, it's uncomfortable talking about some of the things I'm going to talk about today. I don't stand here in a superior position as if I figured everything out. I'm a student, I'm learning, and I'm growing, but what I do know and what I'm certain of is the Lord Jesus Christ is returning again for his bride. He's returning again for his church, and the Christ of Christmas that we treasure is coming again. And it is our blessed hope, the early church. Do, do you know that, that some say the early church would literally greet themselves, maybe in a worship gathering, maybe it looked a little different, but in a worship gathering, they would literally greet one another with this word, Maranatha. And that word means our Lord comes. Wouldn't it be interesting if in our minds, as we had the team lead us this morning and a and gospel music, wouldn't it be awesome if in our minds, every time we gathered together in a church, we looked at someone and said, Maranatha, our Lord comes. That, that's the blessed hope of the church, amen? So let's go to our text, 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, and let's read together. We're going to read at a minimum most of this chapter. How about that? <laughs> Dear friends, if you're there, say amen. If you're still looking, you see somebody beside you, like, really, don't embarrass them. Help them get there. No, seriously. Do you know in this room, when I talk about this subject of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that some people, it's like this. Well, hold on. I'll tell you what it's like in just a second. Second Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now the second letter. Everyone say second. This is the second letter I've written to you. And in both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder. So that you recall the words previously spoken by the prophets. One of the prophets we just read, Isaiah chapter 9. 
the previously spoken word by the prophets and the command of your apostles. And above all, be aware of this. The scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they'll say, where is the coming that he promised? Ever since the ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlook this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water, through water. And through these things, the world of that time perished when it flooded. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for a fire being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. And dear friends, don't overlook this one thing. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient with you. He's not wanting any to perish, but all come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and on that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. Elements will be burned and dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. And since all of these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness. And as you wait for the day of the Lord and hasten its coming, because of that day the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on this promise, we wait for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. And also regard the patience of our Lord Jesus Christ as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all of his letters, and there's some matters that are hard to understand. God, I invite you through the power of the Holy Spirit to be our teacher this morning. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you be our counselor this morning? Would you guide us into all truth that leaves you in the centerpiece of it all? Help us to fully grasp what it means, God, that you were before the beginning and you're after the end. You're everything. And so, Lord, help our minds and our attention to be turned towards you. And may we honor you in the days that lie ahead of us that remain. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the Christ of Christmas is coming again. I I thought about a very childish illustration, but um, I, I actually... I have two daughters, Sarah Grace, who's sitting right here to my right, and I have an older daughter, Nora. Now, if you have two daughters, you know that pretty much all you have left is a few. I I wanted a quarter, my point being, I I wanted a quarter, and I couldn't find one. (laughs) I'm down to nickels and pennies. I had a lot of pennies, Sarah Grace, but the second coming of Christ, it's kind of like, it's, it's just like a coin. You see, that coin landed on one side. It's either heads or tails, and the coming of Jesus Christ will be almost like a two-sided coin. On one side of that coin, when he comes again, there'll be those that'll stand in great admiration and awe and be like, oh, God, we've waited for this day. And there's going to be some on that day that's going to be on the other side of the coin. The same event are going to be saying, oh, no. Oh, no, we were warned of this day. 
It's, it's a two-sided coin. And so I understand in this room, when I talk about this subject matter, it's heavy. I don't know how many New Year's messages we'll hear on the second coming of Christ, but I do, I do think it properly prepares our attention. Amen? Because he's coming again. But what I do want you to know in this room, my, my goal is not to seem superior. It's to encourage you. And it's to motivate you toward love and good works. It's the very purpose. That's why Second Peter was, was written. And so I want to encourage you, church, that if you're in the room, there's nothing to be afraid of. Do you know that you're in the era of the church and you're in the era and a season where the gospel is still preached and the invitation? Listen, God loves you. The, the picture I want you to see of God is him sending his son and and God pouring out his wrath on his son on your behalf. God, God is loving. And I want you can, you, can you just, can we just say that together? That God loves us. God loves us. Can you say that? God loves us deeply. And I want you to hang on to that for the remainder of this message. Because there's going to be some periods where that may not sound like it. But with a loving God, he gives us an invitation to come. And if you're in the room and you're scared, you shouldn't be. If you're in the room and you're hopeful, I'm glad you are. If you're in the room today and you're shameful, he can take all of your shame away. But today can lead you closer to Christ if you allow it. I wonder when was the last time you saw someone in a long time? Have you been somewhere like over the holidays and Lori and I were just having breakfast uh, yesterday and, and we looked over and seen someone we hadn't seen in a long time. You know what time does? Time seems to change the appearance, but the person's still the same person, right? A lot of times students that are 30 years old or 20 years older now, Lori and I will bump into them and they'll say, hey, do you remember me? And I'm like, yeah, no. Yes, definitely I remember you, but I, didn't, I, I never saw you as a mom with two kids. Uh, but that's what happens, right? And so what I want you to know is the Christ of Christmas, when he comes again, is going to look very, very different. Here's some differences. And Isaiah, when you go back and, and the apostle Peter is telling us to be reminded of what the prophet said. In Isaiah chapter 53, we, we see a prophetic statement of Christ on the cross. We have the gospels that put Christ on the cross and we know that in his first coming, he was silent while he was being slaughtered. He didn't say a word. He didn't say anything. In his first coming, God poured out his wrath on his son on our behalf. In the second coming, God's gonna pour out his wrath on ungodly and unholy people who reject him. There is a great difference between the first time and the second time. Time really matters. He, he came wrapped in swaddling clothes the first time. He's going to return as a conquering king. Not limited to cities or specific groups of people. Everyone will see him on that great day. In his second coming, in his first coming, he was despised and rejected. But according to Philippians 2, he'll return and be admired and glorified before all. There's a difference between the first coming and second coming. And my point this morning is to hopefully, hopefully to spur your interest on to know more about this coming Savior and, and to 
drive you to study and to drive you to scriptures. You can trust me for a few moments here, but I would much rather you go home and dig deep in the pages of scripture and find for yourself that what I'm sharing with you today per scripture is true. Here's what I want you to think about. When important people come, all kind of preparations are made. It's been said in one recent administration, don't let your mind wander there. I wouldn't tell you who it was for the love of money. But it's been said that in one recent administration for a period of, I won't even tell you how many years, but it was eight years. No, for a period of eight years that on security for that particular person, about $115 million was spent just in security to preserve someone's very important life. A, a statesman, if you would, the highest official. And when there's always a coming of important people, when there's always coming of important people, there's all kind of outward preparations made. You've seen it, right? Traffic stops, uh, these roads close down, these, these particular people, some visible, some invis invisible. Um, all of these things take place, all the security details, all the welcoming parties. But I want you to know something. The greatest king that this world has or will ever know, when he comes, all preparation for that day will be inward and not outward. What I mean by that is the preparation for his grand arrival, every person must make in an inward heart position toward him and not outward. And the religious people of his day, when you read Matthew chapter 24, just a side note, I don't have time to go there. But if you had, if you had time to read Matthew 24, which you should, because it describes in detail what I'm talking about in general terms this morning, and Matthew chapter 23 and the Olivet Discourse, that is right before the Olivet Discourse, that is where, where this kind of this final scathing conversation with religious people that thought all of the, the, all of the business of, of godliness was outward. But look, preparations for this day are inward, not outward. Here, here's why we read 2 Peter this morning, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. You could read in 2 Peter chapter 1 and you'd see the same things. But he said, I've written to you in both letters because I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder that you may recall the words previously spoken by the prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Do you know that we all need reminders? Uh, you live on them. Most of us, I say you, we, mo we together almost live on reminders, right? There's an important date and there's a reminder that pops up. If the reminder pops up, we're usually good to go. If in my case, I never put the reminder in and it don't pop up, it don't always turn out well. And so that is one of the reasons why the apostle is, that's why he's written this letter because he wants to remind this church, this gathering of believers, these exiles that are under severe persecution and false teachers. That's the environment the book was written in. Severe persecution and false teachers. He's wanting to remind them, listen, there is a source of truth and Christ is coming again and be aware of the season and the climate that you're in. We need to be reminded, how much can you remember? Well, if you were to ask my wife that, how much can Greg remember? Miss, what are you smiling so much for? <laughs> she would tell you I could almost remember nothing. 
And she is correct. And that is why Peter is writing here. He's saying, I want you to remember those things written by the prophets. This is not an exhaustive list I'm about to give you. This is just because I want you to be a good student of the word of God away from our corporate gathering, okay? So some of the things spoken of by the prophets earlier, go to Daniel, not now, but in your own time this week, go to Daniel chapter 7 through 11 and, and just, just read it. Don't, don't read with the lens of I know what's going to happen. Just read it and say, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, give me the understanding to understand. Daniel chapter 7 through 11 you'll see that Daniel prophetically speaks about, and you got to understand this Jewish audience, they would have known well the day of the Lord. They would have known well what the prophets spoke of. And so when Peter's reminding them of this day of the Lord, maybe they have an unfair advantage to us today because they had heard it so much, and we don't hear it that frequently. So Daniel chapter 7 through 11 would give you kind of the framework of, of what he's speaking about here. Isaiah's like chapter 66 would give you framework of what is he's talking about here, about this coming and what has been spoken of through the prophets. But he said, I want you to know this, that in the last days, I don't want you to just be reminded. I want you to be aware of a few things. And I'm fixing to say something that's, it's hard to say and it's hard to really understand but when we say we're in the last days right now, we are in the last days, maybe in some figurative sense, but we're not in the last days. Huh. The last days that are to come will be much more traumatic and indescribable than the period that we're in right now. We, we are in the last days speaking. When Jesus, you, you know, in Acts chapter one, be a good student this week, in Acts chapter one, you know that, that when he ascended and those two angels looked at the remaining people on earth and they said, why, men of Galilee, do you stand gazing up? Because as he goes up into the clouds, he's coming back in the same way. So from the period of the ascension to Christ till now, you are in the last days. But the last days that Peter's warning of is the last days during a tribulation period that are going to be indescribable. That's why when you read, like, you've got to understand men were writing as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, but words are limited. It's indescribable times. People say, well, you know, I hear about wars and rumors of wars. I believe we're in the last, you're in the last days. When Jesus went back to the Father, the last days begun. But I'm telling you, the warfare and the things you see on earth now are incomparable to that which is coming and that which of the prophets spoke. But we're headed that way. And so we all need to be aware of his return. 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament speak either directly or indirectly about it. You ever been to, to an airport? Sure, many of you have, and you know, many times you walk to that flight information board and you see, you see flight, I don't know, DL-2483. That may be Dwight and I's flight to India in a few weeks. I don't know. DL-2483, and you're looking for that just, is it on time? Is it canceled? You know, is it delayed? Here's what I want. Here's, here's the big picture I want to tell you, that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there, there's no delays. Uh, there, there's no cancellation. He's coming right on time. And things that are, that are evolving in our culture right now is right in his perfect timing. 
God's not like in some cosmic like chaos wondering how he's going to get things back together. Amen? I just don't know what we're going to do. We're going to wait patiently. And we're going to preach the gospel until he comes. Amen? That's what we're going to do. It's not to be, it's not to be scareful. And it's not to scare you. But after the ascension of Christ, we are in the last days. But there is coming days that are much worse than what we see now. Here's one mark of those last days, and here's, here's how you can kind of tell the furniture is starting to get, a, to get arranged. Anybody know what happened in Iowa? I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna give it a, an ounce of attention. Anybody know what happened in Iowa, the state capitol during December? Be a good student and discover that. That during the, the, the month in which all believers pretty much have a season of remembrance and a season of Advent and we think about the coming of Christ. Look at what happened at the Capitol in Iowa during December. It's, it's, it's scoffing. It's mocking. The, the news didn't even cover that there was a satanic display set up for, for a little over two weeks. And they glorified in the fact that that it was, at the, it was at the steps of the state capitol in Iowa. They're mocking. <laughs> We're told that in the last days, people are gonna mock, and here, here's why they, they're going to mock. Above this, be aware scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Do you know why people scoff the idea of the Lord Jesus Christ and his returning? Because if you can scoff God, if you can mock God and there's no creator, then there's no accountability, and then you can follow your own evil desires. Mockery always has the same root cause. You know what the same root cause is? It's the sinfulness of man and man's desire to call the shots. It started in the garden. It caused the curse of death. And mocking today, when men and women mock God, it is because they want to follow their own evil desires, and they will follow their own evil desires, and that's how they find the boldness, and even so much more as the days approach, scoffing and mocking will increase. If you don't believe it, it's already happened in your classrooms, and many of you have already been exposed to it. In many of our classrooms and history books now, you know there's no AD and BC now, right? There's like CE and BCE, common era and before common era, because we don't want to mention the year of our Lord. It just slides in subtly, but it's a mockery. God will not be scoffed at. But he said in the last days, those times are coming. People will scoff. And look what it says in verse five. They deliberately overlook this. It's not the fact that they don't understand the creation creator principle. It's not the fact that when they walk outside and see the expanse of the heavens and the beauty of the stars and the brightness of the vast universe, it's not that they don't think that there's a creator. They deliberately overlook that fact so they can pursue their sinful desires. You see it if you, if you allow yourself to watch much media. I would highly encourage you to limit yourself to some degree. But if you, if you watch much, you see ridicule and immorality, and it's duplicated over and over and over. And we're not in a woke culture. 
Hear me carefully. We're in a woe culture where Isaiah said, woe is the nation, woe is the people who call evil good and who call good evil. Yes, I said that. We're not in the middle of a woke culture. We're in a woe culture. And you're like, whoa, dude, where'd you jump off so fast from? I didn't. The prophet did in Isaiah chapter five. He told us to be reminded that in the last day, scoffers are coming. And to some degree, at some levels, the seed of the mockery of God's already here. But this is not meant to, to scare you. It's meant to motivate you. And here's what I want it to motivate you in. In verse eight and nine, it says, hey, he talks about they'll deliberately overlook the nature of God. They'll deliberately over, overlook the patience of God. And that's what I want to look at in verse eight and nine. Dear friends, don't overlook this. The fact that with the day, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand his delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but that all come to repentance. Do you know what all means? All means all, and that's all that all means. You and I, are, we're finite. We're limited by time and space. God's patient. Hear me. God's patience is not finite. It, it's, it's, it, is, it, is, it is not infinite. Let me, let me rewind that. God's patience is not infinite. Um, God's patience is not like the patience you have with your child. If you say that one more time, I'm going to wring your neck. <laughs> if you say that one more time, if you do that one more time, I'm going to, whatever you're going to do. That's not the patience talked about here. The patience of God, dear friends, don't overlook this fact that the, the day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day, but do not delay his promise as some understand delay, but God is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all come to repentance. Here's what I want you to know. God's patience is limited. The first time he poured out the wrath on his son, the second time he comes, he's gonna pour out wrath on people that deny him. But that's not who he is. That's not like, that's not, that is the justice side of God. But long, know this, long before that, there was an era and a season of grace in which God said, come, 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 whosoever come. And all of those whom he's chosen will come. God is patient. You say, well, I don't believe God is, I don't believe God's gonna be a God of wrath. That's not the God that I serve. Well, it may be the God of your imagination, but the God of the Bible is a God of wrath. Did you hear me? I understand the God that you serve may not be a God of vengeance, but the God of the Bible is. And for those that reject him, we need to be reminded that we need to expect the unexpected because there's coming a day it's gonna be like a thief 
when the Lord returns. It's, it's going to be unexpected. It's going to be unexplainable. But on that day, the heavens and earth will pass away in a loud noise, and the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. It's quite different than the second coming. I mean, the first coming. And the second coming, the day of vengeance, the day of wrath, the day of visitation, when he comes, everything you see is stable right now. It's going to be unstable. And when it seems like an ordinary day, like nothing out of the ordinary, as in the days of Noah, that's when he's coming again. And when he does come, here's the hope for us as we begin to land the plane. When that day comes, listen, when that day comes and all these things that we know is stable are to be dissolved, it is clear what sort of people we should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of the Lord and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and elements will melt with heat. But based on this promise, we wait for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Do you know that there's coming a day? It, it could be an average ordinary day in one sense, but there's coming a day when all the wrongs will be made right. There's coming a day that a new heaven and a new earth, it's coming and, and it's not gonna be like a new house. Like a new house is generally just like a new house. Like it's just a different color and a shape and maybe a different size. That's not the new heavens and the new earth. The newness that is coming is literally translated like unlike ever before. There's coming a day for God's chosen people, for those whom he's chosen, those who he has called unto himself, those that have responded in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's coming a day in which there'll be an existence like has never been before. There'll be no more sickness there. There'll be no more sadness There'll be no more separation. There'll be no more death. You're like, well, that's really no big deal. That's a really big deal. I, I woke up this morning with, with someone specifically on my mind outside of our church. And I texted him and I, I said, uh, you've really been heavy on my heart this morning. I'm praying for you and your family. He responded back in just a few moments and said, today's going to be a really tough day. She'll have her head shaved today. That doesn't mean much to you, but the sickness and the curse of cancer, I hate. There's coming a day that's not going to be anymore. There, there's not going to be any suffering. And you say, well, Greg, why, like, why, why do you tell us that there's coming that day? Because between now and then, while we're in the waiting room, let's make every effort to have this purifying hope that as we're waiting, that we would want to be found without spot and blameless. Look what he says. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish. And also regard the patience of our Lord Jesus Christ as our salvation. Make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight. That, that's the call to the believer. That in light of his second coming, make every effort. You're, you're like, well, Greg, I thought we were justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Well, you're a great student. That's correct. 
I'm not talking about justification. I'm talking about practical, personal holiness, which between now and then we should pursue. Pursue. I'm not talking about your position in Christ. I'm talking about your practical daily living. Pursue practical holiness. At peace. As, as we close today, I want to ask you a simple question. David Kelly, one of our elders, asked me some time ago. We were in conversation. And he was actually in the room with, with some of the men in, in the process of me coming here. And I love David Kelly, but I never will forget. I tell many of my friends, it may have been the, one of the greatest questions I've ever been asked. He looked at me when we had these discussions, some, some very meaningful discussion, and he looked at me and like he, he didn't smile. He just looked at me, just like locked in. And he said, Greg, do you have the peace of God in your life? Like what we've talked about for the last hour, are you at peace with it? I said, Sure. Have peace. I want to ask you just a diagnostic question to honestly think about. Just, just think about it. Are you at peace? Like if that day were to be today. This is not a scare tactic. This is not to, to make you fearful. This is just to make you think that it is coming. And there's coming a day when God's, he's going to pull away his church. I, I wish we had comforts for weeks where we could talk about the doctrine of eschatology and the doctrine of the second coming. There, there's going to be a calling, a snatching away of his church. There's only one way to be ready. Your only hope is in the person, the work, and the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, our, it's not your only hope. It's my only hope. And I beg you today, like I make, I make no corners about it. I beg you today, if you're not at peace with God, I beg you. I beg you to humble yourself before him. Trust in his finished work on the cross and ask God. You say, Greg, I don't know. I'm not at peace with God. What do I do? You do this. You trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you call on the Lord to save you. How long's the prayer got to be? God, save me. Make me a new creation. I don't even remember what I prayed. 19 years old. But David, I remember this clear. God, I don't understand everything about you, but I know you're holy and I'm not. And God, cleanse me from my sin, please. And I've never been the same. And that could be your story today. But if you're, in the belie if you're a believer in the room today, what's the call to you? The call to action to you is make every effort to live holy, to have a 1 John 3 purifying pursuit of Jesus Christ. So convicting of me. 
I need to be reminded of that daily. And so I want to ask you, if you would, if you'd bow your heads and if you've never trusted in Christ and you would like to call on the Lord to save you, I'll be down front. I'd love to open up the Bible and pray with you. If you're here today, you're a newer believer or you've been following Christ many years and you were reminded of his coming and you want to pursue him, make every effort to pursue him, I invite you maybe to to spend a few moments in prayer. Talk to God this morning. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for the reminders you give us in scripture. I pray we'd heed the invitation to come, Lord, and may your will be accomplished, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.